eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Ronald yet? Good morning. Afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, top five time, top three time, in, in, in the other poll, top four time. Does it really matter when you're undefeated and you beat Bama time? Guess it could later in the season time, but right now, things looking pretty good time. Look out Skyhawks time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, West Rucker. Coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a pleasant, sunny fall, a crisp fall afternoon here at Fort Rucker Studio, just a couple of miles away from where the from where Armageddon occurred two days ago. Tennessee upset Alabama, the, the then sixth-ranked Vols, topped the then third-ranked Tide, or first-ranked, I guess, if you're looking at the coaches' poll. 52-49 to 49 on, the, on a duck fart for the ages uh, from Chase McGrath there, a 40-yard field goal that just was not pleasant, but doesn't matter because it got through the uprides, Tennessee, exercising a big, big, big demon. 15 years, gone. Now we're talking about championships for Tennessee. Tennessee firmly in the picture. If you were doubting it before, you 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 cannot doubt it now. Tennessee, we'll see what they do with it, but uh, you talk about the dog chasing the car. The dog just caught the car. So now we're going to figure out what Tennessee does with that. And to do that, we're going to go uh, over to Ben McKee's house, which we haven't named yet, and then we'll go over to that home daycare center and get to Ryan Callahan. Fellas, how are we doing today? Doing well. And, Wes, sorry to interrupt your intro there. I was just going to say, you mean a couple miles from the epicenter of the earthquake Saturday night, apparently. Yeah, move the Richter scale. That's, uh, I mean, it's happened before other places. but uh, And somebody said there was a, there was a I, I never saw the official reporting of this but someone said that that the 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 peak noise saturday night was 124 decibels or somewhere in that in that range i never saw that yeah. aside from a couple of tweets quoting it so all i knew i knew the needland stadium record was like 116.1 or something and i knew that uh, in the pregame and this is before the ball kicked off to start the game it was already at like 112.4 at the loudest so you kind of got a sense then Okay, this is this is something, and and the press box at Neyland Stadium started to shake. Which, if you're down at Kyle Field in uh, in College Station, happens pretty often because I guess they got that sand-based soil. Also happens sometimes in the Florida stadiums. Here in the uh, the the red clay or whatever it is, uh, the the bedrock in in East Tennessee, that doesn't usually happen. But that sucker moved a few times during the fourth quarter, and that was yeah, that was nuts. That was only nuts. only only felt that a few other times. I, I remember the the blocked punt against Georgia um, that Devon Swafford picked up and scored. I, I remember doing it then, I believe, and then the Oklahoma game was the other time I remember that happening in 2015. So it's it's a rarity, but we do. And, and I've heard people that were at that game say the 98 Florida game was that way too. So that is a pretty good indication when it gets, when the press box, you can feel it moving a little bit. That's, that's a good sign. The place is, the place is rocking. So it was, I mean, I, no one, no one who watched or, or attended that game needs, needs me to say it, but it, that was obviously a pretty special environment. And, and obviously a night Tennessee fans won't forget anytime yeah, soon. Yeah. Ben, for, for me, the, 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 and for Ryan, but we haven't heard from Ben yet. The, the five that, 
I recalled because people have been asking me about it. So I had some time to think about it Sunday and try to process everything. Um, which, by the way, my wife had to work on some project all day, so I got to hank all day long. So plenty of time to think. So thank you for that, uh, wife. That was very kind of you. Um, but while I had him and I was sitting there thinking about it, I thought of, I think, five games. I, I thought of the block punt Ryan just mentioned. I thought of the Oklahoma game at times, uh, the, the Baker Mayfield two-overtime game. I thought about 2001 Georgia during Travis Stevens' screen pass mm-hmm. for a touchdown because I'm pretty sure the press box was shaking then, although I was on the field, but I heard people who were in the press box tell me that it was shaking. And then I remember two other games, a 98 Florida, and then I uh, remember 99 Auburn. 99 Auburn, I believe oh. it was. 99 Auburn, it was a night game under the lights, and mm-hmm. I think like the first play of the game, Deion Grant picked it off and returned it for a touchdown. Yep. And when something like that happens on the first play of a game, it is electric. And then the Cal, well, in the Florida, Cal, and the Cal game in 06 or, or whatever, whenever that was, 05, 06, 06 I think, or that, that would be probably in the top ten. But the, the five I just mentioned first, those are the five that I can, I can remember. Go ahead, Ben. I was I, I was I was realizing I was delaying your your introduction even further. <laughs> Ben's just sitting there I, I, taking I a like, freaking nap. No, no, no. I I was enjoying listening to to you all cut each other off time and time again. So uh, that that was my first uh, press box shaking uh, experience, and I was not a fan. You, you can ask Patrick Brown, uh, who once again skipped out on another podcast. Yes, but he that's did. A story for a different lazy day. bones. Uh, but Patrick was messing with me because I, I was not a fan of the, the press box shaking. Not because it was legitimately shaking a, a good bit. Uh, it had happened earlier, um, and it, you just kind of felt it, but it, it didn't really make you feel like you were on a, a roller coaster or, or going over a big hill or a bridge in a car. But I, I forget which Hyatt touchdown it was. Uh, it it might have been a – it was his third or fourth. It was late in the third quarter, I want to say, or early fourth quarter. The, the, it might have been the, the absolute the, bomb. The 78-yarder, yeah. Yes, I think that's the one that it was. I mean, the, the press box was shaking very strongly, and it made me feel uneasy. As somebody, I, I'm not necessarily afraid of heights, but I, I do not do roller coasters. I hate roller coasters with a passion because of how it makes uh, me feel and how out of control I, I feel. I, I did not appreciate that feeling, but – that was just the sign of how awesome the environment was. And unfortunately we don't really get to, to feel the environment as much as the fans in the stadium do, because mm-hmm. we are in a closed press box. And I hate that so much yep. uh, with, with Thompson bowling. You feel every bit of the atmosphere because we're sitting in it uh, at Lindsay Nelson, you're sitting in it. You, you feel the atmosphere. Uh, and, and even the, the open press boxes at Georgia LSU, I've been to Georgia. You all went to LSU two weeks ago. The, the open press box is there. You, you can really soak in the atmosphere and, and really hear the noise. And you still hear the noise in Neyland Stadium, um, but you, you don't hear it as well as you would like it. At least me personally. I, I like feeling like I am in the environment, and, and you don't necessarily get that with a closed press box. But uh, as you all were speaking about the decibel uh, records or what they were showing on the Jumbotron, it, it, it was clear that this atmosphere was – up there with any in the history of Tennessee football and the press box shaking the way that it did confirmed that for me. Yeah. Well, Wes, I, I was just going to add some additional context. That 99 game, I remember it well. I've heard Cole Kubelik reference that Deion Grant pick six on the first play of the game as the loudest moment he's ever heard at a college football yeah. stadium. Um, so I, that, that's, that's a good pull on your part. I'd forgotten about that one. But that was Florida lost that day. Tennessee had lost to Florida already that year. And Florida lost, and it was pretty early in the season still, and that opened up opened up the SEC East race, and then that happens on play one. So I think that was that added to that uh, reaction there. But and that and I've heard people that were at that 2001 Georgia game mention that Travis Stevens long touchdown that could have been the game winner as as another one. So those those are good good references on your part. Oh four Florida maybe, but I wasn't in the press box for that one. Uh, but obviously the James Will Hoyt field goal. But most of those are moments. That was yeah, what was so impressive oh, 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 about. Yeah, 04 Florida to me was like – it would have been sixth or seventh on the list. It was pretty, yeah. it was pretty damn loud. Right. So, But this one this one in, in 2015 Oklahoma felt like just sustained energy, just endless. I mean, it, it – and this one felt like a championship game. That's what was so different about this one. The Volwalk crowd, if you haven't seen pictures, was the biggest I've probably ever seen. 
Um, fans were in their seats. I, I took a picture. About 20 minutes before kickoff, the place was 90% full. I mean, that's when you know it's a big game. It's usually a pretty late-arriving crowd most places you go, even for a fairly big game. And maybe, everyone and, was, and, and maybe the, less, the, the least amount of crimson I've ever seen in that stadium. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and that's, yeah, that answers one question I've had for years, which is whether Tennessee fans just sold their tickets for that game because they thought they, they, they weren't going to win or because Alabama fans are just willing to pay that much to, to go to that game. But, yeah, higher prices and Tennessee fans didn't sell as much, I guess. But that – uh, yeah, that, it just felt everything about it just felt like a championship game to me, and and I'm glad the game lived up to the hype. No matter how that one played out, it was going to be that that was the best back and forth, most entertaining game I, I've maybe ever covered. I mean, we've we've seen some good ones, but that was that was way up there. That was a a heavyweight bout, and and if if we get if we were to get part two of that one in the SEC championship game, I would have zero complaints. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, that did feel kind of like a like a like a rocky fight. You know, it, it kind of felt like one of those, uh, you know, your, your Drago or, or Club Erlang or, you know, obviously Apollo Creed. It just felt like they were just kind of like somebody was going to knock out the other. Neither team was going to lose the game. One was going to go win it. Uh, it. It was really, really, really fun to experience. And before we move on to talk about other things, because I think, come on, it's UT Martin week. We're going to talk about the Bama game that happened. Of course, we're going to talk about the Bama game that just happened. No offense, Skyhawks. Love you, Jason Simpson. But when, when you – since Pat's not here, I'll, I'll, t- I'll say this. I think it was one play. It was after the Keaton play because uh, Bama, you know, um, misses the 50-yard field goal. And then Tennessee's got to, you know, Hooker's got to pull a, uh, you know, he's got to pull a Patrick Mahomes and go like 50 yards in like 13 or 15 seconds in order to, to get in field goal range. And when the, the play to Keaton happened on the first play, Pat looks over at me and goes, is this about to happen? Like, and he had this look in his eyes like, you know, we've not covered anything in football that felt this significant in a long, long time. And he looked at me like, our entire lives are about to change because of what could happen. <laughs> it's what, it, what it felt like to me. It felt like our work life is going to be completely well, different and, for a while if this happens. And the page views yesterday reflected that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Tennessee <laughs> fans. <laughs> We're going to toot. Uh, our own horn and look up to my horn as well uh, I looked over to, to you all Pat and uh, Wes were sitting next to me Ryan was behind me and Grant was behind Ryan doing things that you don't want to know about correct but I looked over to Wes and Pat and said after Chase McGrath missed his field goal or extra point in the third yeah. quarter I yeah. said he's having his James Wilhoit moment and he had his James Wilhoit moment. It it didn't look as sexy as Will Hoyt's because Will Hoyt's was what fifty something yards for the win. Um, yeah, and, and the graph I think it was forty, which is not not too shabby for sure. But it that that was a a ball that whew, it's it's a good thing it it, it got through there because it, it looked uh, hairy. Yeah, <laughs> coming off his foot and, and while it was in the air. We need to talk about that before we move on that kick because I. I I've watched it several times and I still have not seen definitive evidence that it was tipped. And, and because my brain goes down these wormholes where I have to find out everything I can, because McGrath didn't know, no one at Tennessee seemed to know. So I contacted, I won't say who it is because I didn't get his permission to say it, but it's one of the former, one of the like 18 former Tennessee punters who are currently or have recently been in the NFL. I'll say that. And I asked him what he thought. And he said he couldn't tell for sure if it was tipped, but if it hadn't been tipped, he had never in his life seen a field goal with that kind of trajectory on it in terms of the spin on it. He said he's never, he said he's not sure how you could hit it like that if you were trying to because of the weird spin on it. I mean, so he said, he said, I didn't see it get tipped. He said, but my suspicion is that number 47 got the slightest, slightest bit of contact on the tip of one of his fingers, and that's all it took to give it that kind of dying quail duck fart thing that it had going on. And then it just kind of, because it had a weird, weird, weird spin on it. And I loved, loved watching the videos, because we were in the stadium, so obviously we saw everyone else's reaction. Um, but but the videos that have come in, because uh, what's normally annoying is people who set up these these cell phone videos of their own houses and living rooms and watch parties, like, here's me going through life. Um, but in this particular instance, I thought it was kind of awesome because you saw everyone basically go. Wait a minute, pause. <laughs> Here's me you don't going like those videos. 
I yeah. just I just think it's like it's weird to be like I'm going to set up this camera right here in my living room and here's what happens when we have a party or something. I don't know. Those are they're pretty great though. Those, I know, those are awesome. I, I don't normally love them. I I loved them in this case though, and now I'm okay with them because the videos of watching every all those Tennessee fans basically go, oh bleep, that was blocked, and then so like for a split second you see people like in sheer terror. And then you see people who keep looking and they're like, wait, 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 it's still going, wait, it's still going. And, and I saw one video where there were a couple of people on a couch and one of them was so mad that he thought it was blocked that he just kind of got up and walked away and didn't keep following the ball. And his buddy is to the side of him and kept following the fly of the ball and was like, wait, 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 wait. Oh my God, he made it. Oh my God, he made it. And it, all those videos were just like kids, young kids who had never seen Tennessee beat Alabama, seeing their reaction. I mean, it was, it's pretty special. Like, with their, it, we with love their sports. dad. That, that's, that's why those videos are awesome, is because you see the, the young kid and, and the dad or the mom and, and a kid or, or a couple or mm-hmm. um, somebody our age with their dad who's older and, uh, or even a grandparent. That, that's what makes those videos so cool. And, and we're, we're getting a little far off topic, I, I, I guess. I don't, I don't think. No, it, it, dude, it's UT, it's UT Martin. <laughs> What's the topic? It's, it's UT Martin <laughs> yeah, that, week, man. Let's let's that, let's let's talk about the Bama game. That that's true. But we, we talked about it on the podcast last week, which I was going to add this point real quick before I move on. The if you go look on Cole Kubik's timeline, he posted a, a video of the kick today and and to me you can't definitively tell that it got tipped but it's it's as if the Alabama's hand how Alabama players hands are so close to the football how could it not get tipped and I thought Cole Kubik posted a, a clip of the kick that it, it looked pretty clear uh, w- without it being 100% that it was tipped so I, I think that it was tipped and, and that's why uh, Tennessee fans had a lot of fear in their eyes when the football was in the air. I, I loved Leonard Little's uh, reaction the most out of all the videos. I, I thought he epitomized exactly what the kick was. He, he he was anxious, and then he saw what happened with the kick, and, and he was nervous and frightened and scared, and, and then just a huge sigh of relief. Uh, and I thought Al Wilson's uh, reaction of, of just – I don't know, pure exhaustion, yeah, leaving Al, his body, I guess. Al was either pure exhausted relief. or like seven sheets to the wind, one of the two, because that reaction was <laughs> I don't I can't think of anything I'll, else. I'll say he was exhausted. But the the thing with the the reactions that, that have gone viral is is why fans stormed the field. Not because they beat this particular two thousand and twenty two version of Alabama football. That that's not why Tennessee fans stormed the field because they beat the 2022 Alabama football team that was ranked sixth in the country or what not third in the country. Now they're sixth. Uh, Tennessee was sixth. Um, They they stormed the field. Like we talked about last week because of what all Tennessee fans have been through since 2008 and all the, the, the beat downs to Alabama, all the stupid ways that Tennessee found a way to lose to Florida, the, the, the North Carolina loss, the the LSU losses. I mean, just on and on and on. Georgia losses, and then Georgia State and, and Vanderbilt, and, and we could go on and on, obviously. But just the the terrible product that was on the field for for so long, and uh, Tennessee was the embarrassment of college football, and, and they were the butt of all jokes. And uh, that was a, a moment for for Tennessee fans to feel like they're back because they are back. Tennessee is back. Yes. Wes, you you've written two columns in two weeks saying that Tennessee is back, and I, I wasn't as quick to jump on that train last week after LSU, but I am certainly there now. Tennessee is back, and the celebration reflected that. And, and, and that's why you saw so many emotions and tearing down the goalposts. And, and Alabama fans have obviously made fun of Tennessee for that, but they, they don't understand that that celebration was not about beating Alabama. It was about all the turmoil that Tennessee fans had had to deal with and, and being the butt of all the jokes from so many college football fans for so long. That's why, Ryan, that celebration was what it was. And, and I, th- I think it was kind of three things coming together. Like you said, it was, the, it was definitely, number one, the just, just taking out all those years of frustration and embarrassment and wondering if they would ever get back. I mean, I, I've talked to, to more fans in the past three, four years who had really started to doubt Tennessee was ever going to get back. And Wes 
to your credit, you were the one of the ones who always beat this drum. Tennessee has too many reasons that it 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 can easily be back for it not to get back eventually. And and you always maintained that it was going to get back to that level. Um, I, I I had even started to wonder myself if they would ever get uh, get back to that point, but they they've gotten there. And this is obviously you know you take out all those years of frustration. It I didn't realize. I mean. What an incredible stat for the series of this history uh, of this rivalry that there had been 10 top 10 matchups in, in the history of the Tennessee Alabama rivalry. There had never been a top six matchup between Tennessee and Alabama before Saturday. That's mind blowing to me. So even by this, that rivalry standards, that was a huge game. Um, so on top of that and two, two unbeaten teams. So it was all that. And it was the, the biggest thing just, this team's surprised people. I think it's this team. People love this team. It feels a little bit like Bruce Pearl's first team. I kind of I, I said that a few weeks ago, and I'm starting to feel that way even more. This feels like the team that's it's flawed. You know, that team was a two seed in the NCAA tournament, but it was like undersized. You know, there were reasons that you looked at them and said maybe they can't win it all because they're 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 flawed. This team feels that way too. Their defense is undermanned. You feel like they're flawed, but they're just good. And they're fun to watch, and fans have kind of fallen in love with them. And they're shot. I mean, no one thought this team would be six and zero. So it's like all these things together just made that such a euphoric moment for fans. And then it happened in dramatic fashion too. I mean, that it, it was like a movie ending. How, how could you beat that? And the thing cleared the crossbar by like two feet after after it, get, it got tipped. I mean, it couldn't have two been feet more dramatic. Might be generous. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, yeah. And I'll say this too before we go to break. We're overdue for one, but I'll, I'll say this before we go to break. You know that thing that like pretty much. Uh, just about every, and, and I, I hate to stereotype here, but just about every woman I've ever known at some point on Instagram or on a high school yearbook has used that quote, like, dance like nobody's watching. That's what that moment was. And I, I've always said this, do not let anyone yuck your yum. If you are happy and you are celebrating something, go celebrate it. Go do whatever you want. And what everybody, any, what anybody else says about it, screw them. It doesn't matter. So if people are laughing at you for going out there and having a party and tearing down goalposts and throwing them in the river and taking them to the bar to have a drink and whatever else you're doing out there, who cares? Like, you know, Tennessee fans for the most part, and I'll give them credit for this, they've always been pretty adamant, like, you're you're with us or you're against us, and there is no line in the middle there. And they don't care. Like, if you call them a heel, they don't care. It does not offend them. It does not bother them. Some of them do the whole, well, everybody else is like this. Why are we the ones who, and there are some of those. There are some of those, you know, victim, you know, victim, professional victim types. But for the most part, they're like, I don't really care. Say whatever you want about us. So if you want to go tear down the goalpost, go do it. Like traditionally, a program of Tennessee size wouldn't really do it. But if you do it, who cares? And you know what? Carry it out of the stadium. Take it for a drink at a bar. Throw it in the river. Put it on your wall. Sign it. Who cares, man? I I, I don't. I, if if you care at all about what anyone thinks about the way you're celebrating something, why are you why are you even excited in the first place? Why why would you care if why would you care if anyone judged but you by the way you celebrated something? Man, screw everybody else. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, and and the way I look at it is. That entire celebration is what makes this place so special. And there are few schools out there that, that can pull what Tennessee pulled off in terms of the, the aftermath. I mean, obviously you have other college football powerhouses or, or Blue Bloods, whatever term you want to use, uh, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, um, Michigans, and, and so on and so forth. But Tennessee is one of the few schools that, that can truly pull off that type of, of passion. And, and, and that is why players of, of every sport, football, basketball, baseball, they, they come here as 17, 18-year-old kids, and then all of a sudden, 20, 30, 40 years later, they're still living in Knoxville with an entire family that they established here um, be, because of just kind of what all goes into it and, and speaks to – what Ryan was saying about Wes's point of Tennessee has far too many resources to be down forever. Uh, and uh, the, the fan support and, and the passion that people have for East Tennessee and Knoxville and uh, the university, I, that that's what you saw on Saturday. And so there's absolutely no shame 
in how Tennessee celebrated. I, I'm with you, Wes. I, I am typically, because of the stature of Tennessee football, um, yes, people have kind of forgotten that, that they are one of the, the blue bloods in college football because they've been down for so long. But because of that stature, I am anti-field uh, storming. I am. I, I don't think a, a school like Tennessee should storm the field. But this past weekend was, was so different than, than what a typical – field storming is as we've repeated several times it was more about everything that has taken place since 2008 and that being an excel uh, a relief a celebration and i know also as i was speaking about the, the the family members being able to share those moments together i mean i i also know that th- there's family members who have passed away these last 15 20 years yep. that would do anything to see tennessee beat alabama one one last time, my granddaddy, who was a diehard Tennessee fan, he's the first person I thought about when, when that kick went through. And I knew he was smiling up in heaven. I tweeted that, and a lot of people replied and said, hey, my dad that passed away a couple of months ago, I know he's smiling up there. My grandma, my uncle, my brother, so on and so forth. So that, that whatever we want to call it, we need to come up with a word to describe just the, the complete chaos that, that was Neyland Stadium on Saturday in, in Knoxville over the weekend, whatever that was, was just far superior to simple uh, field storming. And and I, I get the sense that most people that have followed Tennessee and are associated with Tennessee, they understand that. Yeah. Well, and I, and, yeah I think that's a great point there, Ben. And I, I think you, you think about the people who passed away, like I'll, I'll be honest with you, people might not like to hear it, but um you know, when, when Kentucky ended that streak against Tennessee, that was what 29 years or whatever it was, I thought about my grandma that day because she, in her side of the family, they are cats. They, they're Kentucky people. They love their cats, and, and I hope that she got to see it. I don't know if she did, but, I mean, you know, I, I saw that day an old, an old man in Lexington who was, had, like, an oxygen mask on, and so he's holding his oxygen mask with one hand, and he's, like, ripping up parts of, like, the shrubbery with the other to get, like, part of it to take home. And I'm like, how can you not love – what we do for a living to get to experience these things. I know that was a bad day for Tennessee, but but what happened was a good day on Saturday. So I think I can say that now. But but it's just, you know, it's one of those things that it's like I love what we do and I love how much this means to people. And I, I, Ryan, I don't see a problem with it. Yeah, no, I, I was just about to say people people always kind of uh, <laughs> like to ask us if we're fans or whatever. Here's Saturday is a great example of how I would say it. We know a lot of people very close to the program in the program. And just you know, family members and friends who who follow the program. I I, I was happy for a lot of people Saturday yes. that had waited a long time and gone through a lot of misery without much reward over the last fifteen years. So that's I I, I was just it, it, in our existence as a site. We've talked about this before since Go Vols twenty four seven launched nearly twelve years ago. We Tennessee hasn't had a ten win season in that time. So like we almost as a business as a site, we've never known. What it would I mean we've we've covered SEC championship games in the past Wes and I have but we we don't really know what it's like to run a a, a site like this as uh, covering a team that's that's a national playoff contender you know so this is this is different territory and, and I'm happy for all the people who who got to enjoy that long overdue moment Saturday night uh, not an original thought here but I also just wanted to throw in this uh, a, a great point that it made me think of something else but. Uh, so people point out that this is this is kind of a generational game. Um, this is one of those games that people are going to think of, like the '82 Alabama game, the '98 Florida game, where, where fans stormed the field for both of those two. Um, and this, it had been so long since Tennessee had one of these games that th- this is kind of one of those games that's going to bridge the generational gap. Like I feel like there were so many kids who've grown up in this state, some of them fans, some not, who had just never seen Tennessee be good, never seen that rivalry mean anything. They just if even if they knew the history, they just knew it as that day Alabama smoked cigars after beating Tennessee. Like they didn't know of it as a competitive, great rivalry like like you you and I did, Wes, growing up, or even, even Ben. It, it's it's been a while, but it was a great rivalry, and 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 people were kind of starting to question if it even was, and, and they got to see now <laughs> why it's so significant. They got to see you know Al Wilson tearing up after Tennessee winning that game, and 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 see what that game means to so many people. So I, I hope it revives that rivalry a bit and makes it a fun one for years to come. And that also reminded me that this is why a lot of people are a little bit resistant to the idea of a nine-game SEC schedule because what if you lose the Tennessee-Alabama rivalry as the outcome of that? I mean, that 
you get fewer opportunities for games like that, and it just loses its luster a little bit. So I think that's that's why the SEC has a tough decision to make. That's a whole other can of worms, but I, I couldn't help but think of that uh, on Sunday that. That that game in theory could go away They're as not, an annual I, thing. I, I, and that, I just don't. I don't think they'll do it. I think they'll. Go I don't to nine think games so either. They'll go to nine. I don't games. think so either. They'll go to nine games. Yeah, because it, of money. But well, it'll it'll go to nine games, and I think Tennessee will be in Alabama's quadrant most likely, or whatever. In there, that'll be one of their three permanent opponents will most they? likely. Yes. Most likely, I think but, so. Yes. Yeah, I, I think, think so. I, and like Ryan said, this is a whole separate conversation, but. LSU Auburn, I think those two are definitively in there. Are, are they really? And I guess it depends on if they do a pod or, or not. But if they do a, a pod type of situation, I mean, I, I think right now because of what Alabama LSU has been more recently than Tennessee Alabama, I, I would think that LSU may may get the edge there. And, and I wouldn't of think so because I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Well, you got you got to make do what makes sense for sixteen teams, so it's hard to match it all up. But I mean, the three that make the most sense for Tennessee, I've always said, are Alabama, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. But you know, we'll we'll see. It's and gotta, I agree it's gotta match with that up for everybody. But from Alabama's perspective, yeah. is the exactly. league going to give Alabama, Tennessee, LSU, and, and Auburn? Because Tennessee gets Vanderbilt and Kentucky, right? Right. Yep. <laughs> and, and then Alabama, whereas Alabama would be getting Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU, and, and like I, I know my Alabama buddies mainly because they, 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 they might they might they might throw so state long. in there they might throw state in there because they're like 50, like forty five miles apart from each other or whatever. I I would be stunned if it's if LSU and and Auburn are not in there because I I, I think the last 10, 15 years people view LSU as a a, a bigger rival. I I, yeah. I know that uh, historically the older fans do not feel that way, but my age and my buddies that went to Alabama. They hate LSU more than they hate Tennessee. Let's see if that changes after Saturday a little bit or starts changing because I got news for you, college football. The Clampets are back in town, and they are <laughs> they are going to run through your business now, and uh, they are here, and they don't want to leave. So uh, we're way overdue for a break, but screw it, man. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to step away for a second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, et cetera. Then we'll try to refocus this thing onto what happens now for Tennessee because, you know, now the dog caught the the car, so now what? We'll talk about that when we get back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ryan Callahan coming to you from his home daycare center. Ben McKee coming to you from Ben McKee's house. Got to get a name for that. It's just driving me nuts. Nonetheless, we are here on a beautiful Monday in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee, talking Tennessee football, which is a much more interesting topic nationally than it was, say, three or four weeks ago. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you win games, these things start happening, and, and things get more enjoyable. So, uh, and more enjoyable for Tennessee fans, more frustrating probably for non-Tennessee fans because a program with a lot of power uh, historically is, is now starting to, to be back. So that changes the dynamics quite a bit in this league, and that could make things really interesting if it's here to stay. So we got a lot more to talk about that, but, but before we do that, just a quick uh, suggestion, request from our end, if you will. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now, whether it's, you know, let's say 60, 75, 90 seconds tops, go in there and subscribe to this podcast and rate and review this podcast. We sure would appreciate that. If you're just listening on the website right there on the stream at GoVols247.com, that's fine. We love you. There's no wrong way to consume the GoVols247 podcast. But what helps us out the most is if you go in there on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod. You can find the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we are happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very few complaints from our end. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there and subscribe to it and rate and review it. And tell your friends. Tell your people that you, the, that you see at church after some of your sin in there on Saturday night. Uh, tell people that you see uh, at playing golf. Tell people you see when you storm the field at Neyland Stadium. Tell people that you see at a tailgate. Tell people that you see uh, walking around town. And if you don't have any friends, go find someone who's wearing a Tennessee shirt and say, you know what, let's be friends because I don't have any friends and you're wearing a Tennessee fan. I like, you're wearing a Tennessee shirt. I like Tennessee. Let's let's be friends. And here's my first friendly gesture to you. Go listen to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. There's life advice here. We're helping you out, so help us out in return. Please go in there and do those things. If you're already doing those things, thank you. We love you. If not... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Back to business. Guys, UT Martin is a pretty decent football team for FCS standards. They're winning games. They're competing for FCS titles now. They are doing so much better than historically that program had done for, for a while However, it is an FCS game, and God bless the, the intelligent people who created this Tennessee schedule and put this game where it was. Because in hindsight, just about any SEC opponent or even like, you know, a CUSA opponent or a Sun opponent, something like that, a Fun Belt opponent, any of those things would, would make me go, hmm. But I think it being an FCS team, Tennessee's probably going to be okay uh, because this is just, if there's ever in life been like a hangover game, this would be like the easiest one to pick in the history of the world. So I think Tennessee got a pretty good break there with the schedule, did it not? I think so. It's a good thing that Kentucky is not coming to town this weekend. And not because I think Tennessee is going to lose to Kentucky. Uh, if if they were playing on Thursday night this week, like the NFL, I, I would still pick Tennessee to beat Kentucky even on a short week coming off the emotional win that was Alabama. But it would it would be nervous if I'm Tennessee fans. I would be very nervous if I was playing Kentucky on a short week or, or even just the obvious uh, Saturday that the college football schedule has uh, because Kentucky is capable of beating Tennessee. Again, that doesn't mean that I think Kentucky will win. You, you just do not want to play – uh, a formidable opponent coming off such an emotional win. You, you just don't. It, it's that simple. So I, I think the schedule has really benefited Tennessee. And uh, it, it's disappointing for Tennessee that Cedric Tillman was not able to get back. Uh, but it sounds like he was somewhat close uh, to, to being back against Alabama. And, and it's hard to envision him not playing against Kentucky now Now that you essentially have uh, another bye week. And, and I would I would think – that the thinking is not to to run him out there against UT Martin because it's UT Martin. I would be but, surprised. Yes, I, I would too. I, I don't think that I would play him against UT Martin. But what does Cedric Tillman want to do, and, and how do they feel uh, about just throwing him back in there uh, against a Kentucky? Uh, and not that it's Kentucky, just against an SEC team in, in general. Uh, because against UT Martin, he can kind of come back and, and play a, a handful of snaps and and get and maybe knock the rust off a, a little bit is the point that I'm making. So I, I think that this game has come at a perfect time, uh, just because I agree with you, Wes. Uh, if if you're playing Kentucky or Georgia or anybody that that is an SEC team this week, I think it would be a danger a danger zone because of of how emotional this weekend was. But also on the flip side of that, Ryan, I think this team is is 
built to, to, to handle those type of situations. And I think that they would handle those situations because they have all year. Yeah, I, I think you're right. There's, you know, Josh Heupel kind of touched on this in his Monday press conference, but there's a, you know, this team has to be mature. They have to, they have to just t- continue to take the same approach that they've taken to this point that got them here. Uh, and that's a, it's a, it's a coach's cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. It's a one game at a time. You know, the next opponent is the most important one because it's the next one. Um, so you, you've got to continue to do that. And they, this team has shown it's got the maturity and, and the, uh, the, mindset to get better all the time and to take take each game seriously and uh, so I, I think they feel they'll be fine uh coming off saturday but yeah it's i think it's human nature it's gonna be a challenge for for anybody uh me personally i'm glad this is a noon game coming up but uh, and maybe tennessee is too it's you know as we <laughs> discussed going into the lsu game is kind of right in their wheelhouse being a morning practice team but those are the kinds of games that in the past when you're not a morning practice team especially those are the hangover games. <laughs> Come off an emotional win, noon kickoff, easy to sleepwalk through a game like that. So uh, Tennessee doesn't need to do that. But at the same time, uh, you know, you can get by without throwing your fastball in this game probably and, and, and still win uh, most likely. Uh, even though, like you said, Wes, UT Martin's a pretty good SCS team this year. Not a, not a national title contender maybe, but they're, they're up there. And uh, so it's, this, it's a game you've got to, You've got to continue to go through the motions and do all the things that you do every week to prepare for an opponent and fully respect them. Um, but at the same time, I think this is a great opportunity for Tennessee to get healthy in some spots. You know, if you've got some guys who would have been on the fence for being available this week against an SEC opponent, maybe you get a chance to sit them out, rest them, make sure they're ready for the Kentucky and Georgia games coming up. And then obviously Cedric Tillman, you get you get to give him another another week of rest, presumably, and, and get him ready for for Kentucky. And, and maybe you get to try some things out. You know, I, we got plenty of time to, to discuss this leading up to, to the big SEC games uh, that, that await Tennessee. But obviously Alabama and Bryce Young made some plays that are pretty unique that, that not every quarterback out there can make. But he continued to, to expose Tennessee's uh, secondary, which is clearly it's going to be what it is to a degree, I think, the rest of the season. But um, they – I think they've got to keep working on different combinations back there and see what they can get. Uh, and this is a great week to to do what I said they should have done last month against Akron. Try some things. Try different combinations. See what works because whatever you've been doing up to this point has gotten pretty much similar results no matter who's in there. And you had a walk-on, uh, no, no disrespect to Will Wright, who had put himself in position to play, but he was out there with the, the biggest game of the year on the line <laughs> in the final minute against Alabama. Yeah, so one on you, one, one on one against Burton in space near the end zone. I mean, amazing that it came, but but that's I mean, you you've got to continue to look at your options and just see uh, if you've got the best players on the field and if there's anything different you can do that might make sense because this is a uh, pretty much your last opportunity to really uh, maybe maybe play a lot of guys and experiment a little bit because it's all SEC play the rest of the way. Yeah, I think that that you have to be careful because the, these things can kind of cut both ways. And Ben alluded to, alluded to this a little bit, but there are some guys that you would like to not have them play too many reps in this game. You know, you have to make questions about is the juice worth the the squeeze here? Because which guys need reps? Because some guys you give them a week off, it's the worst thing you do for them. You know, their their bodies don't react well to it. They they need to kind of stay in the groove and keep going. So you like to at least get them a little bit of contact and practice, you know, those sorts of things. You want your quarterback to go out there and play at least a half so he can, you know, go out there and stay in rhythm and do what he's been doing. But the questions you have to make are some guys that, that maybe were questionable who did or did not play on Saturday, some guys who got dinged up during the game. I think some of that, a little bit of that was cramps, but some of it was some slight injury type things. You have to make a decision because – I've always believed, and I've heard enough trainers tell me this, that the absolute worst thing you can do is go out to a game and not play it at 100%. And what I mean by that is 100% conviction. Like physically, you have to be, you know, just whatever you're good enough to go, you're good enough to go physically. But if you are not sort of mentally ready to play in a game, if you go out there trying to say, okay, I'm just going through the motions, that's when you slip up, that's when you get hurt. and I don't know if there's empirical data to support this, but I've just heard so many trainers say it that I sort of believe it. Like it might be an old wives tale, but I believe it because they know more about science than I do. And if you go out there in these kinds of games and you, you just kind of are lazy a little bit, you take your foot off the gas, 
that's when you get hurt, when you start doing stuff that you're not going to do. So, so to me, in my mind, if Cedric Tillman is close to 100% and he wants to play and he wants to knock off some rust, I think you throw him out there and let him go for a few reps if he, if he wants to, if he's ready to go. If not, if you're risking anything, you obviously don't play him, and then you hope that he can get ready to go by Kentucky and that he can knock the rust off pretty early against the Cats. Because you're not talking about a one-week absence. You're talking about a month or so almost. And, and, and so – or I guess more than a month. So you, you would have to make sure that you're, you're, you're threading the needle there between getting a guy ready to play and a guy who's not quite ready to play yet. So in my mind, whoever's ready to play, whoever's medically cleared to play and they think it's the right thing, go out there and treat this like it's the Kansas City Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills. Go out there and give everything you got, and then they'll take you out when they do. But if you're, if you're dinged up and they think it's better, then just, then just hold out Saturday. Because they're not probably going to need you to win the game, but I think there's 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 power or there's some sort of a consistency that comes with just staying in your rhythm. I think you're spot on, and and when Josh Heupel says a hundred percent, I don't believe he legitimately means a hundred percent as if it's the start of the football season, as as if it's the start of fall camp. Because there's there's not a football player in America unless you don't play. That is a hundred percent right now. It, it's impossible to get to a hundred percent if you've gotten nicked up or, or suffered a pretty serious injury like Tillman has. It's 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 pretty impossible, I, I think, to to get to a get back to a hundred percent in season. You, you can't get back to a hundred percent until the off season. So I, I don't think hypo means literally one hundred percent. I just think he more so means that they're not risking making it worse. Uh, and and um, you don't need him against UT Martin. I, I don't think that you play him. I, I think you give him an, an extra week because Bama, even though he may have been okay to play, you, you were still pushing it and pushing that timeline if he was ready to play. So I, I don't I don't think it would be very smart to, to play him against UT Martin because the only thing that matters this week is getting the starters out of the game healthy. I mean, I, I, I don't think that Hendon Hooker should be playing in the third quarter uh, unless, for some reason, UT Martin is hanging around. But I, I don't anticipate that at all. Th- this is the Akron game all over again. You want to come out healthy. And, and, and it's all luck. It is. I mean, Tennessee didn't do anything wrong against Akron uh, to, to get banged up that game and, and for Cedric Tillman to, to get hurt. It's all a matter of luck. So uh, hopefully for Tennessee State, they can come in and, and handle business and they can stay healthy. I want to pivot back to this past weekend, Ryan, and get your thoughts on on just how massive of a recruiting weekend it was. Because yeah, there were a couple of official visitors, and those seemed to to go really, really well. But what stood out to me last week, as you were compiling uh, the list of, of all the players that that were going to be here, which seemed to be in the thousands. Um, were the the significant talents in the 2024, 2025, and 2026 class that were in town, especially 2025 and 2026. The, the 2024 names are, are really becoming more familiar by the day, but there are some big-time 25 and 26 prospects that, that are going to be five stars and be some of the best players in the country that were on campus. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, t- Tennessee had, I mean, several targets in the 2023 class on campus too. Uh, you know, guys like Tyler Scott, uh, one of the one of the faster rising uh, prospects in that class, who's just blown up the last couple of weeks. Uh, visited Alabama the week before and got an offer from them a couple of days later. Now visits Tennessee, and, and Tennessee really impressed him Saturday Saturday night. And as you would imagine, that that atmosphere, I think win or lose, Tennessee was going to be able to get some mileage out of just what that experience was like. But um, those, those types of games, you know, the, the, the tear down the goalposts kinds of wins, th- those experiences stick with players. Uh, it's not, this is not just a, a big win. This is a big win and, a, and an atmosphere and celebration that, they, that those recruits might not see again. And, and they go to a lot of good games. So, um, so some of those guys do. So that is, uh, that is a big deal, I think, for those guys to get to see that in person and, and in many cases for them to just see Tennessee win a game like that and, and see them as a contender. And I think for some of those, you know, you touched on it, 2024 prospects, some of the 2025 guys, 
you know, had multiple players and, and we've had plenty of reaction uh, the past couple of days on Go Vols 24-7. But a couple of those guys, you know, admitting Tennessee is their leader right now uh, coming off that visit Saturday. So that's, you know, still very early for some of those guys, but uh, that, that's still a big deal. And, and there's no doubt they have some momentum with some, some players, you know, in state and out of state for that matter in, in both of those classes. And, and definitely, you know, a step in the right direction with guys like Tyler Scott, like David Hobbs, who was on an unofficial visit, um, you know, you know, like uh, Tamarion Parker, uh, the four-star defensive lineman and former Penn State commitment, who was back in town for the first time since decommitting from Penn State back in August. And you know, Clemson's been probably the favorite for him for for several weeks, but I think Tennessee is is at least back on his mind a little bit more now. They, it was it was a two-team race before with Clemson as the the clear leader. I think now it's at least a a little more of a discussion going into the final weeks of that one. So. Um, they, they definitely helped themselves with uh, pretty much everyone who, who was there at that game. Didn't end up being quite the big week um, that, uh, with, with at least a couple of noteworthy visitors uh, not making it into town that were originally planning womp, to be there. Obviously, womp, womp. I, I, I just have to mention that you know, Carnell Tate did not make it in uh, after, after. Sure the, was tweeting, though. That he was watching the game. That's that's exactly right. Uh, so again, you know, not just the guys in the stands. You know, this this might be the type of weekend that has some ramifications uh, for for guys who were not there as well. But uh, yeah, Carnell Tate didn't make it in. Keldrick Falk originally planned to take uh, an official visit to Tennessee. Florida State kind of shut that one down. He's he's been committed to the Seminoles since July. So we'll, we'll see if either of those guys you know tries to make it back in for a for a Tennessee game before the end of the season or, or, or in Falk's case, maybe an official visit after the season. But right now, you know, it feels like that's a, that's at least a noteworthy development with, with both of those guys that, that those visits didn't happen as planned. So we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes from here. But uh, other than that though, a, a, a massively successful weekend for Tennessee that I think will have some, you know, maybe some short-term benefits. We'll, we'll, we'll see about whether anything comes from this in the, in the coming weeks, but but definitely some long-term benefits. I think you're going to see a lot of guys that Tennessee is heavily involved with for the next several months, if, if not a couple of years, who who this this game kind of may, may, when we look back, may have gotten Tennessee more in the mix for them and may lead to some some big pickups down the road because they really, I mean, that that's as big of, you touched on it, Ben, that's as big of a visitor list as I've ever seen in my nearly 12 years covering Tennessee recruiting full-time. They've had some pretty impressive visitor lists, even when they were not as good on the field. But uh, by my count, 70-plus Tennessee targets uh, on campus, 10 five-stars or so, 35 or more four-stars. I mean, just, and that doesn't include the guys, like you mentioned, in the 2026 class who aren't even rated yet, who are going to be four and five-stars. So, just a massive collection of talent like we haven't seen at, at Tennessee in a long, long time. And, and Tennessee is going to get a lot of mileage out of that, I think. Yeah, and, and we've said several times that it's not like one game just changes everything for a, a kid. You know, it's the, the wins, even some of the ones who, who, who made contact with Ryan after the game and he, he contacted and they, they said, you know, it's not about wins or losses for me necessarily from one game. It's just about, you know, the environment, the coaches, all these things. But I, I think – a result like that one and an environment like that one, it may not just make a decision for a kid, but it damn sure could tip the scales at some point. And it, and it gets you on the radar, I think, of a lot of kids, Ben, who are probably saying, you know, I, I've heard people talk about what Tennessee could be, um, but now they can see it and they don't have to just hear about it. Like they can see, oh, oh, it's this. I didn't know it was like this, so you were not exaggerating. I think that that probably resonates with a lot of young men. Yes, and my final thought, because I know we're running low on time, but uh, and now I, I meant to bring this up earlier. Uh, Ryan was talking about this team being so lovable uh, for the fans uh, and being a surprise, and they're so lovable because of the the characters, and it reminds me of, Rick's first team with with Grant and Admiral and, and then kind of Tony's first team with with his cast of characters and then now Heifel he he has his cast of characters everybody's in love with Hendon Hooker uh and and Cedric Tillman and and now Jalen Hyatt and uh offensive linemen just so on and and so forth and I think it, it that reminded me uh, of kind of basketball and baseball waking up from the dead and now football is awoken from the dead. And now with the recruiting aspect, it kind of feels like Heifel's following the path that Rick did, that Tony did when, when they first got here. And, and it's something that I've been preaching for years 
is that you can't come in and land all the five stars immediately. That 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 wasn't everybody wanted to get mad at Rick because he wasn't signing ten five stars his first class. Nobody wants to come play at Tennessee when these coaches first got here because Tennessee was not in a good spot. And what did Rick and Tony do? They went out and found some hidden gems. They developed them into star players. They won with them when nobody really expected them to. And then they had all the recruits starting to turn their head towards Tennessee, get them on campus, get around the coaches. Uh, the, the recruits love being around Rick and his staff. They love being around Tony and, and his staff. And, and Ryan, you know this as well as anybody. Something that's not being talked about enough with this football program right now is how well that these coaches actually recruit. They, they are really good recruiters. And, and that was something that, that was a knock on them coming into Tennessee. Is, are they good enough? to recruit at this level and they are and it's as simple as what rick and tony do and josh heupel does it just as well as as they do and he will start to recruit to the level that that they are as well over these next couple of years he's genuine he, he tells you how it is he, he doesn't make you your promises that that other schools may may promise you uh he he keeps it real with you he doesn't promise you playing time or or, or other guarantees you know what you're getting with Josh Heupel, and he's a fun dude to be around, even if he doesn't come off that way in, in press conferences. The players love him, and all the recruits that I talk to, they, they love Heupel, and they love the coordinators, they love the position coaches. Uh, and when you have these massive weekends, obviously the, the on-field product sells itself, but it's just adding to what these coaches have already been able to do. Yeah, I, I think this staff, like you said, that was that was a big question mark a lot of people had about this staff. About Josh Heupel in particular, you know, I always said you you can't compare what Josh Heupel was doing at UCF to to what he was going to be able to do at a program like Tennessee. It's just night and day. He had been in some big time recruiting battles at Oklahoma, uh, even at Missouri, uh, had been involved in a few there. So so he he knew, and, and he knew he knew that the lifeblood of the program was going to be getting the type of talent he needed to compete with the Alabamas and the Georgias. So he's gone after it, and and much like um, what what I would say was the you know one of the best things Butch Jones did uh, uh, at his, during his time at Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt, much like those guys on the on some of Tennessee's most important targets, Josh Heupel's talking to those guys as much as any assistant coach on Tennessee's staff. He's heavily involved himself, um, so he he is a grinder when it comes to the recruiting uh, aspect of things, and that's so. In addition to being the the, the good head coach who has instilled the right culture and schemed things up on offense and everything, everything else that comes with the job. He, he's really gotten after it in recruiting. I think you're seeing the, the benefits of that. And like you said, Ben, that genuine approach, it, it's not going to win every battle on its own, but when you combine it with everything else Tennessee's doing, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a very attractive package Tennessee has to sell now because they're, they're and that's, I, I'm interested to see how recruits look at them long-term now. Will they immediately think Tennessee is a national contender Will they need to see a little bit more next year to, to fully buy into it if they're a 2024 or 2025 prospect? But either way, this this type of season now, and that's what was so big. It's not like you said, Wes. It's not a single game result uh, that usually that's going to change things. But this is a program trajectory changing kind of win uh, a little bit that that speeds up Tennessee's rebuild. And, and gives them a chance to be an immediate contender for a lot of guys. And, and so I'm, I'm really interested to see. I'm not sure we've had a recent comparison that's, uh, uh, that's right in line with what Tennessee kind of rising from the dead it might do in recruiting. You know, can they do it immediately or is it going to be a gradual thing over the next couple of years? You know, we'll see. But I think this gives them a chance to be much more of a factor. And they've already got a top 10 class this this year in 2023 so they're off to a good start and this is only going to add to that that's a great point because you look at what they're doing on the field and it's a really easy comparison to make in my mind it looks like what happened when Spurrier got to Florida what they did uh, in terms of just their offense just sort of engulfing the league for a while and that's that's sort of what's happened here in recruiting I, I don't know I don't know it's not my area of expertise anyway but even Ryan who does this it grinds as much as anybody at this stuff all day. It's like I, I'm not sure yet because there's no way to know. We will, we will have to I mean, see. Yeah. The the best comparison might be. I mean, it, it was a little different because Nick Saban was a huge name, but like we haven't seen a program like Tennessee's in in the last 10, 15 what, what years really like what, what revived. About, what about Clemson? Clemson maybe. Yeah, that that's not a bad. But even then, like Clemson, in some ways, didn't. You know, they they had history for sure, but they didn't have 
quite the history Tennessee does, I don't think. So it's, it's just interesting that a program with this kind of history, you know, being down for 10 or 15 years, assuming this is just the beginning of a long you know, run where Tennessee is, is much more relevant nationally, does this immediately put Tennessee back in the mix for some guys, or is it going to take some time? I, I don't know. We've not seen like yeah, Nebraska maybe Michigan get off the mat. Maybe a little bit. A little maybe bit Michigan. Harbaugh. That's not a bad. Yeah, that's not a bad one. So that, yeah, Michigan's a, a solid comparison. Maybe Notre Dame at times. So, but the uh, a prolonged sort of drought like this, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this how this is seen, especially when Tennessee has all the time has to go against Georgia and Alabama and Florida and teams like that in recruiting. It's a it's a, always a tough task to, to win those battles, but how much will this help them and how immediately will it pay off? You know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yes, we will. And we'll have to wait and see on quite a bit of, quite a bit of things. Um, we'll, we will have a couple more podcasts this week, obviously. We will discuss UT Martin. We'll talk a little bit about that matchup. We'll talk a little bit about uh, some health issues with Tennessee, although I'm sure Josh Heupel is going to give us the, the full x-rays and CAT scans and everything just so we can go over it in every minute detail. Uh, I'm kidding, but but we will full, full quotes on Wes's Twitter account. Yeah, um, just yeah. look for those. Just, just right there. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what he's going to say ahead of time. He even admitted that. Listen to the end of this podcast uh, for his information on that. But yes, uh, anything uh, that we, that we can discuss about this game, we will throughout the week. Uh, we'll talk about maybe do a mailbag. This might not be a bad week for a mailbag. Uh, talk about some other stuff. But until then, uh, we have gone a little bit overboard today. But dude, it's the mon- it's the Monday after beating Bama. What 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 were we were we gonna not do this, guys? So you know. Anyways, Ben, Ryan, thanks for being here, fellas. Adios, me amigo. There's that button, and now I can say. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247 to get all of the stuff there or most of the stuff there. We got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day, tons of stuff on there, all good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring Water right from the tap. Go directly to GoBalls247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least, so you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, and that's after a free trial, and that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial, and then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it. Get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows. You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of of that now Uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days there's been a problem we should be back here uh, in in a couple days or so you'll hear from us very very shortly until then guys be good to each other be decent to each other please there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore god we are so mean to each other have some basic human empathy allow people their dignity try to be kind be good to each other until then be good guys see you
where's Wes at? I, he already put my comments out there, so <laughs> he, he had direct quotes. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 